Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Grace, grace multiplied to you in peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. What is grace? How can you grow in grace? Well, first thing, we have to know what grace is. Most ministers will say that grace is the unmerited favor of God. Well, that's true. That's not all grace is. Grace is the effectual working of the Holy Ghost upon the heart and the spirit of man, inwards outward perfection in life, which produces fruits unto perfection of holiness, protectors of his divine nature. Well, it's through the scriptures. And we find that, that as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Second Peter, the first chapter, we can grow in grace and in favor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus himself, who is our example, grew up in favor with God and with man. How did he do it? Through the scriptures daily being his delight. The word of God always being about his father's business in the days of his flesh. Whenever he had made himself of no reputation to become one of us, our kinsman and redeemer. There are things that we need to know as you take grace and Peter talking about that. In the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is essential to grow in grace. It is an effectual working in the knowledge growing up into Jesus in all things and all truth. Take a look at 2 Peter 1 and verse 1 and 2. Simon Peter, servant and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God is what we have to be obedient under righteousness, Romans 6. And our Lord, just Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How can you multiply that favor, that grace? And peace be multiplied. Well, through the knowledge of God. It's through the knowledge of God, through these exceedingly great and precious promises given to us, whereby we're protectors of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption world through lust. It's through the knowledge of the scriptures, and we add to our faith virtue. Second Peter tells us that. Virtue is to be virtuous before God and honest hearts before God. And from that, we don't stop there. And to your faith, virtue. To virtue, add knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Well, we grow in favor, in the grace, and peace through the knowledge. How do we get knowledge? We add it to our faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge. It's a knowledge of God through the scriptures given to us, which are well able to save us. Search the scriptures for in them we think we have eternal life. And these are they that Jesus said, testify of me. From the volume of the book, from Genesis to Revelation. It is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God, for a body that has prepared me. God prepared himself a body, and the forerunner has entered in, and now we're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Now we have a prosperity gospel that many say that God wants you to have lands and houses and cars and 
lots of money. But we find in 3 John 2, For God wishes above all things that they mayest, thou mayest prosper and be in health. Well, that's prosperity and health. But he doesn't stop there. Even as thy soul prospers. Why is that contingent upon the soul prospering? Well, that's dependent upon the knowledge of God and obedience unto righteousness. And works that accompany salvation, glorifying our Lord Jesus, which is in heaven, seeing our good works, letting your light shine. Well, that's what grace is affected through the knowledge of God in the keeping and obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. We see that all through the scripture. Look at the salutation that Peter says there in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. But grow in grace. How do you grow in grace? If grace is just an unmerited favor of God and a gift, how can you grow in a gift? Well, it's an effectual working and a knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ unto obedience. Without obedience, you can't grow in grace. And he said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory. The knowledge of God is there. And we see it again that John says it's that blessings of God, the favor with God is through obedience of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even as your soul prospers, then God wishes above all things that you may prosper and be in health, good health. But it's predicated upon that as your soul prospers, we have to make sure that we're growing up in him in all things and all truth. And we see that also that in Timothy, it's told by uh, Paul to Timothy in the growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that these scriptures are profitable for reproof, rebuke, and correction, that the man of God will be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. There's the works again. Well, how did you grow in this grace? Well, the definition of grace is more than just the unmerited favor of God. Grace is not alone, but reigns uh, through something, predicated upon something. And the thing is, what is that? Well, sin reigned by death. Romans 5. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. As the offense is of one, so also the free gift is of one. A man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. As sin reigned by death, now grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, and grace reigns, not alone, but through righteousness. Romans 5. Well, that's a revelation that takes us grace much more than just the unmerited favor of God, 
but that it requires this effectual working of the Holy Ghost in obedience unto righteousness because grace reigns through righteousness and righteousness requires obedience. Now let's take a look at that. When you see that the grace there is to be with us, you'll see that in Philippians 4. Another salutation given by Paul. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The book of Philippians ends. Be with us? Yes. That's effectual working power of the Holy Ghost. That is compelling us unto good works. We see that all the way through. Paul talking to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Watch how he greets the church. The last statement he says, all the saints salute you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and which is Kai, which is even the love of God and the communion, even the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. The communion of the Holy Ghost, that's communing with the Spirit of God. He that's joined the Lord is one spirit. It's the effectual working of the Holy Ghost upon your heart and your spirit, the inner man. And it's outward reflection and life unto holiness to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ unto perfection. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot and without blemish. Perfect in all her ways in a perfect mirror image of himself. Nothing less is going. Now we see also when we talk about what it takes to obey this obedience unto righteousness. What does it take? Is it something we just shake the preacher's hand and we're well on our way and the pastor tells us we're saved? We said the sinner's prayer. We ask Jesus to come into a heart. That's it? No, that's a lie. More and more, more is required in obedience to the point that we grow from newborn babies to little children, from little children to young men. That's the Christ in you. And from young men unto fathers. If you hadn't heard those four steps of growth, tune in to our podcast. And the different stages of growth in the sealing of God's servants in each stage that we grow and attain to by faith. Now, it states there in Romans 12, I beseech you, brother, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. They cannot strange the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, and the glory of God resteth upon your head. You're growing up into him, crucifying mortifying the deeds of the flesh. All those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust. That requires obedience. Not conformed to this world, 
You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Be acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. If you stay conformed to the world, the Lord will not take any pleasure in you because you have not obeyed unto righteousness. Obedience unto righteousness in Romans 6. That's the leading of the Holy Ghost. And even though you have the Holy Ghost, if we do not obey it, it's called carnal-mindedness. It's not a natural mind. It's carnal-mindedness. To be carnally-minded is, is death. Well, we have the Holy Ghost, but we still want the things of the world. We love the world, the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father's not in you. And that's what is the prosperity gospel. These denominal churches telling you that it's all about money. It's all about your investment portfolios. It's a lie. It's not the houses and the lands that you own. A man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses. It is in the knowledge and in the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ through obedience unto righteousness, which yields the peaceable fruits of holiness through obedience to these great and exceedingly promises given to us. It requires obedience. So Paul tells us in Romans 12 that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Without spot, without blemish to the Lord. There, not conformed to the world, but being transformed, a transformation that only takes place through obedience. And the ones that obey and are going on to the measure of the statue of Jesus understand that truth. They don't just pat themselves on the back and say, hallelujah, we're saved, and that's it. Now let's get some money. No. You'll either hold to God and hate mammon, or you'll hold on one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, God and money, God and the things of this world. It's impossible. But yet we're told that you can because God accepts you just like you are. No, he doesn't. He expects you that when you come in, that you are a newborn baby. You're unskillful in the word of righteousness. You don't know you're to grow up. That's Hebrews 5. Paul's reprimanding the church there, said when you ought to be teachers, you have again, they have need of milk and not of strong meat. Hebrews 5, you can read it. He said that you are babies, which are unskillful in the word of righteousness. You don't know what righteousness is. And if you don't know what righteousness is, grace reigns through that righteousness. You have no idea what grace is. Because grace is defined and reigns through righteousness. And what is righteousness? Somebody say, well, it's being right. No, that's not biblical righteousness. We know what righteousness is by the Lord Jesus telling of us exactly what righteousness is in John 16. When the Holy Ghost comes, he'll reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me, Jesus said. Of righteousness, here we go, because I go to my Father. 
and of judgment because the prince of this world of judge. Now let's focus on righteousness, which grace reigns through that. Without that righteousness, there is no grace because grace reigns through righteousness and it's built upon that foundation. The whole God life called godliness is a mystery. And without controversy, great is a mystery of godliness. What is that? This mystery of godliness, the God life. That's a little G-O-D-L-I-N-E-S-S. What is that? Well, it's the God life. And without controversy, great is that mystery of godliness. 1 Timothy 3.16, for God was manifest in the flesh. It's all him and his righteousness, not of works of the law, lest any man should boast. It the righteousness of God by faith, which he has dealt to every man. And that faith is to do the will of God. And there's different ministrations, different ministries. Every person in the body of Christ as a believer has a different ministration given to him of the Spirit. Now the quest for life is to find out the will of God, the purpose of God in your life, and to do it. If you do not, then we hear, Depart from me, I never knew you, you that work iniquity, because not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus stated, will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those that do the will of God, not just hear about it, but do it. Now the question is, is how do you know what the will of God is? Well, Paul gives us that straightforward, without a shadow of a doubt, in Romans 12, verse 1 through 3, and he states it. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. There's a mercy flowed to you. The grace and truth that came by Jesus Christ, all his work and what he did, for God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. God was manifest in the flesh. God was justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels. God was preached unto the Gentiles. God was received up in the glory. Who is that? Jesus Christ, the Son of God's the Father revealed. Somebody said, well, the Son of God's not the Father. No, the Son of God is the Father revealed. The Father is the invisible Spirit of God. The Son of God is the Father revealed, manifest. There's the difference. It's the Father revealed. The invisible Spirit of God's the Father. The expression of that Spirit's the Word. The power of that Spirit's the Holy Ghost. The redemption office is God manifest. That's the Son of God. That is the Father revealed, not just the Father, Father revealed, Son of God, Son of Man, Kingdom office. That is Jesus ahead and you, the body of the Christ. There we have this righteousness of God, which is by faith. And we didn't do anything for it, for God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now the thing is, to realize what the faith is. And how do you do that? You did, brethren, by the mercies of God, not of anything of our righteousness or our holiness, 
by the mercies of God, we present ourselves living sacrifices. That is holy and acceptable unto God. Our bodies are living sacrifice. That means we sacrifice our will or emotion, our or what our purpose we think we want in life to do the will of God. We crucify our will to do the will of God. It's just that simple. We present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't go after the riches. Don't go after the things of this world. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is grace, that reigns through that righteousness, then all these other things will be added to you. God's promised that. Matthew 6, 33. Seek you first the kingdom of God, not the things and riches of this world. All that be, will be rich fall into many hurtful lusts and diverse temptations. And if riches increase, don't set your heart upon them. Yet, most of the churches preach in the prosperity gospel Money, money, money. If you believe God, you're going to be rich. He's going to give you plenty of money. You're going to have an investment portfolio second to none. You're going to be flying around in jet airplanes. And the truth of the matter is, you haven't even come to the cross. To come after Jesus, he said, any man come after me. Let him first, the very first thing you do is deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Cross, yes. Crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust to do the will of God and be, an ex be acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Why? That you're not conformed to the world. That you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, the mind of Christ, through obedience unto righteousness, which grace is affected in you. Through righteousness. And God does wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, but it's predicated on and based upon even as your soul prospers. That's the primary thing. God's in the salvation business. If you can't keep there and rule your spirit well, riches increase. Don't set your heart upon them. God can get it through you. He'll get it to you. But there, on the other hand, if you haven't been faithful in that, of the unrighteous mammon, and in the days you fail, they receive you into everlasting habitations. That's at the mercy seat of God, that you receive absolutely nothing against you, warrant anything against you in judgment, because you have done no evil to any man. You've actually made to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. You don't love the world. Well, why? Because when you're faithful in that which is another man's, God will commit to your trust the true riches, the kingdom riches, the true riches of God, the kingdom of God, which is the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Many don't have that knowledge because they've gone after the world and through the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches chokes the word. They can't hear it. They can't understand it and wonder why. Because they've gone after the world and it chokes the truth. And uh, because tribulation, persecution arises for the word's sake. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They don't want any suffering. They're in Babylon. 
the false church. Mystery of Babylon, the great mother of hearts, abomination of the earth, says, I said a queen, I am no widow, and I will see no sorrows, no sufferings, no birth pains at all, no tribulation, no persecution. Thank you very much. That's a false church. It's a false identity. It's a mistaken identity. It's a Laodicean mindset. Laodicea says, we're increased with goods. We're clothed, fed, and have need of nothing. Thank you very much. We're blessed in the prosperity gospel. Jesus said, knowest thou not, you're poor and wretched, naked, and destitute? Hmm. Talk about a mistaken identity. Jesus said, I counsel of thee to buy me gold tried in the fire. What is that? It is the Holy Ghost burning up the dross and, and purging out all the things of this world out of your life. Whose fan is in his hand, the Holy Ghost, through the fire, and he burns up the dross, thoroughly purging his floor. Well, that's a Holy Ghost job, to make you holy. The Holy Ghost there to lead you and guide you unto all truth in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness is the divine nature of God. It's not a dress code. It's the divine nature of God. It's his nature that you get through these, these exceedingly great and precious promises given to us through obedience that we are made partakers of his divine nature. Having escaped what? Having escaped the corruption of the world through lust. We don't lust after the world. For all that love the world, the lust of the eye, the pride of, of life, and the lust of the flesh, the world passes away with the lust thereof, but whosoever doeth the will of God shall abide forever. Very few will hear that. They think, well, I need money. I have to live, and I have to have money, and the more money I get, the happier I am. But there is no joy there. Joy is not predicated upon happiness. Happiness is based upon happenings, what happens to you. Joy, unspeakable and full of glory, and the joy of the Lord, your strength. That you know in whatsoever state you're in, they're abounding or being abased, having needs or having need, that you are content with such things as you have, for God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you're content with that. You're not desirous of vainglory. It's not good for a man to think it more highly himself than what he ought. And that proud look goes before a fall and a haughtiness before destruction. The Lord is very plain about that. He exalts those that are abased, the poor, and brings down the pride, the haughty, unto destruction. There in the last days, we will understand that perfectly. So what is grace? Grace is the effectual working of the Holy Ghost through righteousness. It reigns through righteousness. Romans 5, and Paul tells us how to do the will of God, to be pleasing in his sight and to do the will. We have to hear his voice. We have to be obedient to that voice because the Lord says, I stand at your door, the door of your heart, and knock. If any man will hear my voice, you ha can't have the world there blocking out the voice of God 
You have to be open to his uh, knocking, open to his voice, seeking uh, him with all your heart. Then you can hear him knocking at your door. And a man will hear my voice and open the door. In other words, in obedience, receive it. Then Jesus said, I'll come in and sup with him and eat with me. We'll have communion together. You will grow up in the Lord Jesus in all things. How do you do it? Through obedience. And that is obedience under righteousness, which grace reigns through that righteousness, but it requires obedience. Romans 6. Whosoever you yield your members of servants to obey him of the servants, to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, even though you have the Holy Ghost. But you still seek after the things of the world, the things beneath. You don't set your affections on the things beneath, but on the things above. The things which are not seen, which are eternal. For the things which are seen are temporal. Well, that's where we set our affections on the things above, which is the things of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things, so far. The evidence of things not seen. There, at faith, is that righteousness of God through faith by which we do the will of God and are pleasing in his sight. And here, well done, that good and faithful servant, and done to the joy of the Lord. That's joy unspeakable and full of glory. No matter what state of affairs that you're in, that joy of the Lord is your strength. That for the Lord has said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you, Lord. I'm with you always until the end of the world. Amen. No pre-tribulation rapture there. He's with you until the end of the world. When you see that everything in grace is not alone in just unmerited favor of God, you'll see that grace is contingent and it reigns through something called righteousness. Basically, we need to know what righteousness is because that's how grace is affected. And we do that in John 16, to that, kind of that world of righteousness. When the Holy Ghost comes, he will reprove the world of righteousness. Reprove it because the world goes after its own way. How does it reprove the world? Well, just like Noah built an ark to the saving souls and by his works of obedience condemned the world and building the ark to the saving of his soul. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. However, Jesus goes on to tell us exactly what righteousness is in John 16. He says that there's a time coming that I will no more speak in Proverbs. I will show you plainly of the Father. Why? Because the Father's been a hidden Thing that Jesus always spoke in Proverbs about him being the father because it's only revealed to those of a pure heart. The father has to be revealed. And that is the second stage of growth from newborn babies. The newborn babes desire the sincere miracle of the word. They may grow thereby. They're unskillful in the word of righteousness, Hebrews 5. They are the ones born of the water and the spirit. And Acts 2.38, repent and been baptized, every one of them in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of their sins, born of the water, and have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, 
born of the Spirit. Those are newborn babies. But we don't stay there. The very next step is that of little children. We see that in 1 John 2, 12-14. I write in you little children because you've known the Father. I have written you little children because you have known the Father. It says it twice. You've known the Father? Yes. If you had known Jesus, you would have known the Father because he's the Father revealed. The Son of God is not the Father. He's the Father revealed. The God manifest. Seen, revealed. The only revealed name of God is Jesus. The blood name of God, Jesus. No other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus. When you do preach this man's name, you don't intend to bring his blood upon us, the incorruptible word, seed of the word of God by which we are born by. Well, what happens? How to do the will of God. Paul states, <clears throat> the only way that you can prove the perfect will of God is to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That renewing of mind is the mind of Christ. Why? That you may prove, you have to prove it, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God that worketh in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. What is righteousness by which grace is defined having reigns and reigns now through righteousness. What is that righteousness? We can't understand grace until we understand how it rules and reigns through righteousness, through it. Well, what is righteousness? Jesus states that in John 16, I will no more speak in Proverbs. I'll show you plain to the Father. I proceeded from the Father. I go back to the Father, not around him, not beside him, to him. I came from God, I go back to God. Not around him, not beside him, to God. That's Revelation 3.21. Jesus said, even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, a forever settled state of glory, down with my Father in, not beside it, not around it, in his throne. He is the Father of glory revealed. There's not another. Well, that's righteousness. He came from God, made himself of no reputation, humbled himself to become a man. That's burial and resurrection. And they went back glorified with the Father's own self, sat down with the Father in his throne. And now he, Jesus, the man, is made that quickening spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Not only that, he states right there, the disciples, when they said, now we understand that you know all things, Jesus. Because the time has come when you will ask, not ask the Father in my name, not Father in the name of Jesus. But Jesus said, the time comes that you will ask in my name. And I say not that I'll pray the Father for you. Somebody said, well, I thought he was our uh, mediator of the covenant. I thought when we prayed that Jesus went to the Father and said, Father, I died on the cross. Will you forgive them or give them whatever they need? No. Because Jesus is that spirit. He is the Father of glory. He is the Word. He is that Holy Ghost. We see it in Revelation 19, 13 on his vesture. Dipped in blood, his name is called Jesus, is the Word of God. Yes. 
John 1 verse 1, that word that was in the beginning with God, 1 John 1 verse 1, we have held and seen and held the word of God. Hmm. Because Jesus is the word. Jesus is that spirit. He is the Lord. The Lord is that spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17. He is that spirit. That's righteousness. That's what grace reigns through. That he that knew no sin became sin for us, our propitiation, to expiate our sin, propitiation to die in our stead. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, through him and by him. How? By grace which reigns through righteousness, which requires obedience, Romans 6. The disciples, after Jesus said, I go back to my Father, you ask in my name, not Father in the name of Jesus, but Jesus. Jesus, I come to you humbly in your name. Not Father in the name of Jesus, I put him back before the cross. He said, now time is coming, you ask in my name. I say, now I'll pray the Father for you, because all the Father has loved you and has given all things unto me, all power in heaven and earth, and is in power not only in earth but also in heaven is given unto Jesus. Matthew twenty eight eighteen. He is the Father revealed now. Now Jesus said, "You ask in my name, I'll say not. I'll pray the Father for you, because the Father's given is given unto me. Why? Because He is now Lord in Christ. He's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, Christ the Holy Ghost." Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let all the house of Israel know surely that same Jesus whom you crucified, the man Christ Jesus. God hath made him, that man, both Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, and Christ, uh, the Holy Ghost. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Who is he now? Well, First Timothy 6.15, Jesus Christ, the blessed and only potentate. That's the Almighty, capital P. Potentate is the omnipotent, almighty, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, everywhere. God Almighty, the Lord, is that spirit. He is the what? The mediator, what? Romans 8, 23 through 26. No man knows how you are to pray. For the spirit itself, capital S, Maketh intercession for us. Who is that spirit? Jesus, the Lord, is that spirit. Now, when now you're having grace multiplied to you through what? The knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know he's the Father? Then if you do, and you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, if you repented and received that gift of the Holy Ghost, and you've gone on, now you're not newborn babes. You're little children. You've grown. And you have known that Jesus is the Father. He's the Lord of glory. He is the Christ. Uh, he is a blessed and only potentate who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light, which no other man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. 1 Timothy 6, 15, 16. That's what grace is. It's not the riches of this world. It's the true riches of God. It's tasting of the heavenly gift and the powers of the world to come. It's the kingdom of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's doing the will of God, growing up in him in all things and all truth. 
where you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Abound in this grace also. What? The ministry of giving and receiving. 2 Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians 9. Through this ministry of giving and receiving, God loves a cheerful giver, and through this grace that you abound in it also. We need your offerings. We need your help and prayers. But not only that, your sacrificial offerings as well for this word, not for Brother Barrett, but for the word to go forth. God deals with you. Bring you all the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. Where's that? Where you're fed. You're getting fed? Move on it. God will bless you. And you'll grow in grace. How? Through obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness. And you'll be partakers of the divine deeds of God by giving to it, promoting it. Not only with your prayerful support, but your giving as well. Somebody said, why should I give? Because where your treasure is, there's your heart also. You giving to God? Are you taking an active role in the work of the ministry? Or are you sending a pastor by and saying, well, one of these days, maybe my pastor will see it. And when he does, I'll give to that. But right now, I'll just bide and do nothing. Well, the truth is coming forth now. And those that move on it and act on it by faith will be blessed. There you will find that the ones that take an active role are partakers of his divine mercy and his grace. Take them an active role, not only in prayerful support, because where your treasure is your heart also, and that will be alms deeds to God. Brother, the gospel of Jesus Christ, help us bring this to the nations. There that we have over a thousand ministers now in Africa. It's well going toward that right now in India. I'd count in Pakistan, Australia, New Zealand, Nepal, etc. America, 75% of our downloads in this Sealing God's People is in America itself. We need to hear from you. Take an active part. Take an active role. Take part in this grace so that it'll abound to you. And many thanksgivings unto God that you will abound to every good work. There, contact us. The number there you'll find here on these, this important message I'm going to speak to you about at the end of this uh, podcast that will be important not only for not lifting up the Word of God, but for grace to abound in us and through us. To thanksgiving to the glory of God. Well, this is Brother Dennis Beard. Until the next time, we say, Behold the real Jesus.